podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Back to a Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and this Wednesday afternoon, I'm joined by John Hughes. It's just the two of us, John. Uh, cue a song. We Patrick will be back on Friday. He'll be joining us on Friday. Everybody shuffles their working day around a bit of the axiom, and I'm pretty sure a lot of the viewers out there do likewise. Thanks for all the um, comments and all the emails and all the messages that we get in relation to Celtic and to Axom. Uh, yes, we have had loads over the last few weeks because people, John, are just at that stage of the, the season where we're always looking for new news. How big a part of that is due to the modern age of needing that fix on your, your mobile phone, constantly needing that fix? Well, my better half would tell you that I, I have gone, we'll put it this way, in my life, I have gone from reading multiple books at a time, constantly reading multiple books at a time, never had was without a book, uh, and now essentially never without a phone. So I, I am the epitome of all things bad about social media <laughs> um, because I enjoy writing. I tweet a fair bit, so I enjoy writing about it for a bit of crack. Um, and I'm always looking at the news, uh, especially Celtic news. Um, again, I, I don't like to come on to uh, a platform like this and not be up to date with uh, what's happening. So... Um, you know, I, I like to keep abreast of all the Celtic news for possible. Um, and so, it's uh, you know, I, again, I think there's a lot of people like me, especially at this stage of the season, you know, but it's just like, I think people are anxious now at this point about what happens in the next couple of weeks. Mm. Um, you know, and I, I think that anxiety translates as like, you know, just the constant checking of the phone and the headlines. And, but, you know, for instance, we knew those three players were in basically last week. Yeah. Uh, but yet, because they weren't announced, you know, people are just getting more and more and more anxious. Um, so, I, I, you know, I don't blame anyone. I'm, 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 as, I'm as bad as everyone else at this point. I'm just constantly checking to see what's what. First thing you do is check and see if we've said to anyone, what's the latest rumour? You know, is that rumour in any way possibly real, you know, uh, you're, you're parlaying through all the stuff. It's just, it's a close season, isn't it? So you're just, what can you do? And the thing is, the games haven't particularly changed that. No. You know, if anything, they've made it more complicated. <laughs> so it's, uh, I feel like there's, there's so much happening and not happening that everyone's obviously you know, a, a bit anxious about it. So I, I don't blame anyone for that. No, you know, uh, there's two examples I'm going to use, John, because um, I was uh, looking at the the centenary season, which is one of the finest in my living memory, especially insofar as it was the first season I started going to Celtic games, 1987. 
and we win the double, right? So we win the double. We've been getting told all about the Rangers revolution, um, David Murray, Graham Sunis and all that. I think you could rewrite that um, with some facts, I guess. However, after the season, after the double winning season in the sun at Hamden, McAvenny scoring a couple, it was brilliant. Everybody was buzzing. That pre-season, going into season 88-89, John, we signed the grand total of two players, and those two players were Ian Andrews and Alan Ruff, both goalkeepers. We signed Ian Andrews for 300 grand. Alan Ruff was a free transfer because Pat Bonner was injured and Alan McKnight had been sold to West Ham United. Now, we had a European Cup campaign to look forward to, right? And that is how we strengthened the side. Can you imagine if social media was around back in 1988? Oh, geez. It's just the bad old days. Actually, it just makes me... Just can't believe the, the way the club was run for, for all those years. Um, but look, we weren't the only, you know, tip-top club back in those days. I mean, that, that a lot of clubs were run that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's it's unthinkable now. Um, but I mean, not completely unthinkable because we did go through a whole period of uh, the the Lowell years. Um, you know, signing project players uh, from a position of strength where we should have been uh, demolishing essentially uh, the, the the second generation Rangers um, so we should have been putting them to sleep permanently um, and pushing on in Europe and instead of that you know we still have them as, as an annoyance in the background now while we are still trying to seriously push on in Europe and I think that's the thing though if this, see if Ange had stayed, I think people might be a lot more nervous yeah. than they are because you'd be looking at this and thinking, I'm not sure how much more we're going to do. But because it's Rogers and his stated aim was Europe, and pretty much we all know that the only way he would have come back was with those guarantees. Um, so you're fairly confident in the background there's a lot happening. Uh, and they'll be going down their list from top to bottom of you know the best possible guys they can get. We won't get a number of them um, simply because at this level, at a higher level, obviously they have more options. Um, there's more money floating about. Uh, there are uh, bigger deals floating about, uh, and you know we have to entice a player with what we have. Uh, so we have, you know, we have got the Champions League access. We've got sort of guaranteed trophies, essentially. You will be a champion here uh, if you come here. Um, so, you know, bearing that in mind uh, and the fact that, you know, they, they might have to not get the wages they want or whatever. But essentially, you know, we, we still seem to be doing pretty well in the value markets. You know, I, I, I know that I, I'm absolutely 100% confident there's going to be more and mm-hmm. more significant business to come. But also, I mean, I had a good look at, you know, the, the full videos wherever I could find them of the three players that we brought in, or at least the three most recent. Um, and to be honest, they all look to be good players. Uh, the, the only one I would have, uh, I had reservations about, because I think it was Juco James that did uh, the stats on uh, Quan. Uh, and his stats didn't look good um, but I mean I just did watch 10 minutes of him I mean I know these YouTube videos don't tell you anything but they'll tell you if the boy's completely rubbish um, and he looked to be a decent player um, 
And the same goes for the other two. Yeah, Big Rocky, as he will now be known. Uh, Undoubtedly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Yang, who, well, just because he's Hawaii, he might become Yogi because he plays on the wing. And Kwon, who, you know, I don't know, an icon. He'll, be, he'll become an icon. Oh, yes, I like where this is going, John. <laughs> you know, the, the way I've been looking at it is, uh, and we'll get to the, the games because you've not had an opportunity to speak about the games. I know you were involved yeah. in the first game yeah. coverage. Um, if, for example, what happened with Ange didn't happen, that was going to be almost like an exhibition over there. There was going to be two games. It was a big homecoming. I know he wasn't from Japan, but obviously in Japanese football, um, he had some great successes. That changed, um, and I think that it became far more serious in terms of what those games meant for our preparation, the assessment of the squad, Brendan Rodgers casting his eyes over players sometimes for the maybe for the first time. So. With that in mind, I also think that when I'm looking at the transfers, and by the way, I'm only surmising here with the transfers, John, we brought five players in. I think the four that we had lined up, and although some of them have only been unveiled fairly recently, we knew that they had happened because their, their previous clubs had already announced it to the world. These look as though, because we've done it quickly, they were already lined up. We call them legacy signings. They've been part of this recruitment process, John. They've been on a list, and that has gone through Angie's time into now, and they've been signed under Rogers' stewardship. I think Rocky, um, I, I've been calling him Norokski, so I, I'm not sure if that's the correct pronunciation. I think Rocky is more likely to have been a player who um, Rodgers would have had much more to do with. And that's why it's maybe taken a wee while longer. And I think that even if we do have another two or three, and we're going to ask, where do we need to strengthen? You're probably more than likely to see the signings at that kind of level and more involvement from Brendan Rodgers. The ones that we got over the line pretty quickly, the four signings, they were already in the works. Norovsky, he's come in, it's taken a wee while longer. And I think the two or three others that come in will be the same and probably of the same level as well, John. Yeah. Yeah, well, I certainly hope so, because uh, he looks to be a, a very decent player. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm aware that, the, the, again, those YouTube videos, you know, your granny looks great in them, you know, that sort of way. Um, I'd need to put mine on a loop, though, John. There's only two moments in my football career, and then I'd need to loop it, um, and you'd maybe get tired after the, the two or three seconds of my football career. Yeah, so, uh, I, I, again, it's, it's difficult to know from these things, but, again, he looks to be... A class above, mm -hmm. uh, big Rocky. Uh, his distribution looked tremendous. Um, so uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I think they, um, someone said they were disappointed that you know he wasn't a natural left footer, but he, he uses uh, both feet as far as I understand it. So um, he's equally adept on either foot. Uh, so um, you know, which would be great because he, he does look like really quite solid. However. You know, if you put Carl Starfield's highlights on a 10-minute YouTube video, I'm pretty sure he would look uh, spectacular as well. So it, it's really difficult to know. <laughs> John, John, they managed to do the highlights for Asazi Urugide and made him look like an absolute world beater when he signed <laughs> for his new club over in France. We'll come back to that. So the point stands, yes, you can look great on these reels. Um, I like the fact that, and again, we don't know for sure, you know, 
managers have got a habit of pinning their name onto all the, the good signings. Uh, Neil Lennon, all right, I'll have Virgil van Dijk. Yeah, he was one of mine. Bangura, nah, had nothing to do with him. So we'll probably never know. But when you look at some of the centre-halves that Brendan brought in last time round, uh, and you compare the stature of them and the, um, the nature of, the, of their play, and, and some of the, the defenders that he used a hell of a lot when he was the manager at Celtic as well, he seems to fit the mould, does Rocky. Um, it looks as though it'll be about £4.3 million. Signed on a five-year deal. We seem to be signing all these new players on a five-year deal. And he will inherit the number 17 jersey, six foot one. Um, I'm going to ask you the question, and it's something that we were messaging back and forth. What does it mean then, John, for the likes of Stephen Welsh and Kobayashi for you? Um well, it's now a matter of um, musical chairs, isn't it? Because uh, essentially someone's going to be left without a seat here. Um, and I know that the, the popular uh, answer to that as well should be out. Uh, and there's good reason for that as well, because Kobayashi's in a long-term contract. Uh, but I, I'm not actually sure Kobayashi's any better than Stephen Welsh mm. uh, from what we've seen. I, mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't be any more reliant. I wouldn't be any more pleased to see him starting again than I would be to see Stephen Welsh starting again. So, you know, again, it comes down to who's going to be left as because we need four centre halves. So, who's going to be the two backups? What level is the backup going to be? So, if we're not selling Starfield, and as, as Lawrence pointed out yesterday. Uh, Starfield was twenty eight, so you need to either uh, you need to either sell them or decide that you're not getting any money back for them. Uh, so you know, and again, I tend to think where we're concerned, if there's the option to take the money, we'll take the money. Yeah, uh, especially if this boy's coming in and he's essentially you know a like for like Starfield replacement, uh, and we you know that leaves us again with you know Kobayashi, Welsh, and so on you know, as the backups and you're just really hoping nobody's getting a bad injury. Um, so, you know, there might be some movement, but again, Welsh is important and we keep saying this, you know, it's easy to disregard this. We, You know, we either need to be promoting guys, you know, from the B team to the senior squad or we need to acknowledge the fact, you know, we have quotas to fill for European football in terms of homegrown and not just homegrown, but coming through the club as well. You know, so... It's, we can't just discard the homegrown guys without consideration of that. Yeah. So it, it's not just as straightforward. So, look, whoever stays now, we, there looks to be three sort of first-choice guys there. So the other question is, does that mean then potentially that uh, Brendan's thinking about three five two? Well, we know, you know he's played that. Yeah, he's played that so often, John. And when I think about the central defensive area, Cat Vickers back in training this week as well, which is tremendous to hear. Um, I, I totally agree with you. You've got him, Staffel, and, and Rocky there. Your three kind of first picks, and there'll be Cat Vickers for me at the moment, head and shoulders above anybody else. Staffel and Nurovsky will, will be looking for the other jersey. And then you've got Welsh and Kobayashi and also Lowell. And I reckon that in order for Lavell to get the games that he needs and at the level that he needs to have them at, he needs to go out and loan probably for a whole season. Um, and then it leaves the question around Kobayashi and Welsh. And I think that Rogers will opt for Kobayashi over Welsh simply because of the fact that he's been given this lengthy deal, like you say. I rate Welsh highly, John, but you've got to look at his progression as a footballer and the fact that he played six games of football last season 
and it's simply not enough for him, a boy of his age, and also someone who's garnered a lot of interest from clubs elsewhere. Um, and you think, well, a fresh start for him could be akin to Jack Hendry or Liam Henderson, guys who you know, their careers were going nowhere at Celtic, John, and they've taken the opportunity to go away to another country and they really have carved themselves a, a fine football career. Well, I mean, if, if Stephen Wells has any ambition for himself, I mean, we're talking about it here from a purely Celtic point of view. If Stephen Wells has any ambition for himself, he'll be out the door mm-hmm. uh, fast as he can because, as you say, there are decent sides that want him, decent sides that where he'll be first choice. You know, no player, um, unless apparently you're James McCarthy, no player signs a contract uh, who doesn't want to play and is quite happy to sit there. And, you know, well, there's a couple of examples. If you think about it, wasn't it the boy, was it Chelsea? He ran out a contract. It was about six years long, never played a game, made an absolute fortune. Uh, so there are some people who will do it, but no player with any ambition or any self-respect uh, wants to be sitting on the bench for a whole season. So I suspect Stephen will want to go. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, from a Celtic point of view, whether that's good or bad, I don't know at this point. Depends who else comes in. But, you know, interestingly enough, I mean, scales, uh, if you look at the Japan games, you know, in terms of defence, uh, and we were doing a fair bit of defending at points, scales was, for me, the, you know, the, the, the sort of standout in defence. Starfield did well for... Parts of the first game, the first half of the first game, but scale when scales came in, he played really, really well in defence. He did. I think what's going against him is really uh, distribution. So I'm not sure he's up to it from that point of view. He's certainly not part of any conversation. So you know, you, you just get the feeling that his his fate's already been decided. Um, but certainly defensively, I mean, he looked better than his compatriots. Yeah, at that time, you know, so um, I don't know what that says about, you know, Kobayashi and Welsh and all the rest of it, the fact that Scales came in and looked handy. He looked pretty decent. So, um, you know, would he be the potential backup? You know, because he can play, you know, you're talking about utility, so he can play um, left fullback as well, potentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, he, he didn't look very good when he was here initially, but he said another season. Um, and he did some good things for us last season. Uh, you know, so I, don't, I don't know what he did for Aberdeen, but he, he did and it was, a couple of times. And it was deliberate, John. It definitely <laughs> was deliberate. It was deliberate. Yeah, he's a natural yeah. left-sided uh, centre half yeah. as well. You know, we we never really seen much oh. of that in the first season, and you know, we've been playing Starfield in effect out of position uh, by playing him there. So I yeah. totally get that. And you know, this I actually didn't mention him last time round or today because. In my own mind, I do see him leaving the club and there's yeah. talk again about Aberdeen, but there's no way, John, they're going to be shelling out half a million quid on Liam Skills and I think Celtic will want their money back on him. Yeah, I mean, they'll get their money back on him easily um, elsewhere. Uh, not not in the SPFL maybe, but they'll get their money back on him. Uh, you know, it could be the you know, English you know, uh, second or third tier, but you know, they'll get their money back one way or another. Whether he wants to go down there and do something like that, I don't know. But, you know, he's a, he's a decent player um, and he, he did well the other day. To pay. But you don't know, you see, the the thing about being a central defensive player for Celtic or a goalkeeper or a fullback, it's just about moments. You know, for most of the year, you can be a solid player 
But, you know, you have two or three or four bad moments in a game. And, uh, I mean, Starbelt himself hasn't really, has, you know, people still, you know, hold that against him, no matter how many clean sheets have been kept, no matter how many of his own mistakes he cleaned up. Uh, he still makes people nervous because they know he has those mistakes in him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, from that point of view, you, you know, Scales could play all year for Aberdeen and never be under the pressure that he is for us. Uh, so, you know, he makes one mistake, two mistakes. Let's say he makes a couple of mistakes in Europe that cost us a couple of goals. That's You know, he's done, he's toast, he's, you know, that's him finished. So, um, it's, it's very, very difficult. Uh, you know, we, we these players can look great in most settings, look excellent in most settings, but how they're going to perform for us at the highest level, we have to be really reliant on the manager and the coaching team at this point to, you know, set the highest standards in training uh, and just really, you know, <laughs> because it's, for all the fact I hate talking down our players, um, you know, I, and I, and I don't like to talk people out the door either. At the end of the day, this is a it's a harsh game. It's a difficult. It's a brutal game. Yeah. You know, a football at the elite level. There's really no mercy shown uh, with a lot of these guys. Um, so there's no point. In, I'm a very sentimental guy, but there's no point in being sentimental about it. You know, they, they'll be, you know, they'll be uh, punted out the door if they're if they're not up to it. And there's going to be a lot of movement, I think, because I still see us bringing in more signings. Um, you know, and it, it could be more in central defence as well. As you said, well, Rogers has a profile of player that he likes, and we were told when he came in, or at least somebody told me exactly what he was looking for. So, you know, he's just come from England. He knows he needs bigger, more athletic, more dynamic players all across the pitch, you know, uh, to, to compete in Europe. They just need to be, uh, you know, those sort of freak specimens of human beings that you get at the elite level. Being a tidy footballer uh, and being uh, quick and tricky isn't enough at the top level. You need to ally all that with physicality. You need to ally all that with athleticism. Uh, so, you know, and we desperately need that in our team. Uh, you know, especially, you know, as we've said before, you look at um, Hammer Throwers United across the road there and you, you see what they're what their plans are. Um, but again, can I just point out, sorry, Paul John, I'm talking away here, but the, the I put up a tweet yesterday and it was because I was fed up seeing people talking about, oh, they've spent five million on yeah. this body, you know, they know. Uh, and you put up his stats against George Jokimakis' stats, by Gigi's stats, the same year. Jokimakis, you know, according to that, was three times the player. You know, this boy scored like six or seven or eight goals. Jackie Marcus had 30 goals, Yeah. you know, in about 34 games. You know, and the same number of goals this boy's the same number of games. More games, as a matter of fact, this guy's got about, you know, eight, ten goals. So don't be fooled by a price tag. If there's one thing that we've learned, it's amazing how that triggers people. But it doesn't trigger our fans. It triggers the media and it then triggers the fans. Oh, look, they've spent so much money on this guy. But look, he, what's he done? What's his record? You know, and against the people that we've got, you know, we are being clever about this. So we've got a South Korean under 21, you know, young player of the year, 
Um, we've got another guy who looks high quality. We've got, you know, and a more experienced guy uh, in a position that we need. They all look quality players, mm-hmm. um, and they all look to fit the system that we need. So, you know, throwing tons of money at it is not always the answer. In fact, for us, could be the opposite of the answer. And I know people had their expectations set when Brendan came in. We all decided we're going to break the bank here, and mm-hmm. you know. We're not happy because that hasn't happened. I don't care if we break the bank. If, as long as we get quality players in or people who have the potential to be quality. You've got to look after your own backyard, John. It goes back to the, the point I made there um, around the centenary season. Uh, there wasn't this um, instant uh, ability for Celtic fans or football fans in general to seek out and demand news information uh, from their the mobile phones, of course. But one season where there was, it was the season, the pre-season moving into going for the 10. And all you would need to do, and maybe some people have deleted their responses and their reactions to us signing the likes of Ayeti and Shane Duffy and, and Barkas, we were throwing money at a situation there and, and uh, obviously Luxalt coming in from AC Milan. Uh, we were throwing money at a situation, John. It didn't work out. And I bet I would need to look, and I'm probably part of this, I was probably guilty of it, I bet the reaction was very positive because it gives you that you know, that instant gratification. We've signed a £5 million player, everybody reacts. However, that was the greatest example of when it can go wrong. And like you say there, I have absolutely no interest. I've got to be honest with you. I've got no interest, John, in focusing on the signings of another football team. I want Celtic to get their business uh, done right. And by the way, the four guys we were talking about at the top of the show who came in before uh, Rocky, two right wingers, two uh, defensive midfield players, I'm not writing them off. I mean, by the end of this season, John, one or two of them might, be first team players. I don't think many of us expected Matt O'Reilly or even Rio Atati to make the impact they made when they came in that January. Now, you know, you couldn't drop them. And and I think that there could well be one or two of the four players that had already come in prior to yesterday who could be first team regulars. So, you know, we've done very good business at the moment. I'm going to ask, obviously, where else we need to strengthen. But before we do it, the Champions League is something that has been name-checked by the new gaffer. And by the way, John, there's another thing. If we were to rewind a few weeks to the shortlist of uh, managers who were apparently in the frame for the Celtic job, and then we're sitting here with Brendan Rodgers, and I wouldn't have taken any any other one. Sitting right here right now, I wouldn't have taken any other one of those names. Because you you imagine, remember everybody getting... um, Excited about Knutson, for example, Knutson, and and um, you know we watched that Bodo Glimt um, dismantle Ange Ball as it was being um, affectionately or otherwise referred to. That was the night, actually. I think that Skills had a bit of a nightmare in Europe, John, like you said, um, and some people are quite unforgiving of that. And and you know, imagine sitting here right now with the four legacy signings coming in. I would be a lot more concerned about the season ahead um, than if we hadn't got. You know, Brendan Rodgers, he knows uh, the club so, so well. He knows a handful of the, the players in that first-team squad. We'll talk about the relationship that he's got with McGregor as well. But I am interested to know your thoughts on how we're going to approach the Champions League. I felt last season, as uh, much as it was great fun at certain points, it was a bit gung-ho. And then I look at um, the way that Brendan approached that first time round, John. It was disappointing. That was one of the biggest blots in his copybook, you know, was his European performances. 
He's gone away. People could argue um, whether or not he's come back as a better coach after four years at Leicester. But one, one thing he did do is he got to a European semi-final. And I know a lot of people don't really regard the Conference League as that highly, John. I'll tell you what, it's a European semi-final. And he got them there and they were knocked out by Roma. Um, how are we going to approach it this time round, do you think? It's uh, a fascinating question because we know they'll counter-attack. Excuse me. <clears throat> we know they'll counter-attack. Um, because that's what he always does, really, in these circumstances. That that's his uh, go-to uh, in terms of stylistically. But using what formation? Because if we wanted to be solid, for instance, if you took a three-five-two, you know, I think we'd be considerably more solid. Um, if we're playing, you know, a double pivot, you know, so if it's like you know four-two-three-one or you know some, it's basically. Uh, if someone's there alongside, and it looks to be, I mean, we've signed two essentially essential defensive midfielders. Yeah. So that didn't happen by accident. Um, so, you know, it looks to be as if he's looking to shore up the midfield. Um, now, whether he's going to get the guys he wants, ideally the big, uh, you know, a more athletic, dynamic guys in order to do that, we don't know as it stands at the moment. Uh, we brought guys in who that is effectively their role. So he's looking to show up the midfield. Looks like we either need to we either need to make the midfield considerably better uh, with a higher quality of player, or we need to make it considerably more secure. Uh, we, we we can't keep exposing our defence the way that we do. Uh, so whether that means throwing more numbers into the you know the midfield. Uh, you know, I, I suspect it's something like that he'll look at doing uh, and look to to break quickly on the counter but I, I think it's going to be a far more defensive formation um, than we have seen uh, well certainly that we saw last year you know and uh, and just sort of hell for leather approach but uh, Brendan now that he's had that experience you know a couple of times in England he knows what's needed at that level you know, I just don't see him setting himself up for because I mean he's got an ego as well. I don't see him setting sending out a team there to go hell for leather and never mind how many they put past us. You know, they score six, we'll score seven, sort of thing. I just don't see it. I think he'll be far more pragmatic like that. He'll be far, uh, it'll be far more sensible than that. And I just think we'll be far more defensively aware than we have been. Um, you know, so it's really interesting to see what he's doing. But again, until we know what you know, until we've seen what his signings are, you know, what he's bringing in, it's it's really really difficult because we're basing it on the moment. I mean, we have a you know, we have got a massively bloated squad at the moment. Mm -hmm. So you know, a lot of those guys are going to have to go, um, and it's just it's really difficult to know. I, that's what I think we're waiting for. I think they're lining up a lot of these guys to leave the building, but they're not pulling the trigger on it until they know who they're getting in. Uh, so the, this, you know, and it's going to be interesting to see. But there's, it's not a lot of time there either because these other boys are going to have to find moves that they they want to move to. You, depending on the length of contract, you can't just kick them out the door. Um, so, look. 
it's, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to think about. Fascinating to see. He's, he because he's far more tactically flexible than Angelus. Um, then it could be anything, you know. Realistically, mm. he will tailor the formation to the players that he has, not the other way around. You know, so we, we can't say for definite he's going to play in this way or that way until we know where our strengths lie. Um, so, but we do have a, a strong midfield at the moment. So I, I, you know, I mean, I think he might be tempted to to pack the midfield. Uh, you know, uh, if, if that's a, an option for us, uh, I I don't think he'd be particularly impressed with the likes of Greg Taylor, who's uh, who, for instance, has not looked good in the, you know uh, so far. Um, you know, again, preseason games, and he was he was great last year, but you know, I, I'm, at this point, I'm a bit disappointed that you know Johnson's not in the fold, or probably you know wouldn't have given him the opportunity to show. Uh, what he's done, uh, because I think that might change his mind about what formation we would play. Um, so, but again, you know, just can the, the big boy that we've just uh, brought in there, left footed, is he definitely a central defender? He doesn't play fullback, does he? <laughs> he doesn't play left fullback. Well, you know, yeah. the other thing I was going to say when you, you mentioned Brendan's ego, right? And yeah. I, I think what we've seen since he's come back, is um, a, a slightly different side to him. Like many people, you know, you go on, you watch as much content as you possibly can. And he did this, um, was it Tubes? He did the round of golf. Right. Um, and, and it's a, like an interview as he, as he goes around. And he's, I think he said this twice, and he might have said it in his opening presser for Celtic, and that he, he never regrets the decisions he makes. He just regrets how they affect other people in terms of their thoughts and their, their feelings, John, right? So it's like, I'll do what I want, what's right for me, and I know it's going to hurt you, and I regret that, but I'm going to do it anyway. And he was talking about that when he left Celtic. And um, then, obviously, the question was asked around him staying for the three years, and he guaranteed that he would be here for three years. But Brennan Rogers, of course, he has an ego. Of course, he has his own brand, brand Brendan, they used to call it at Anfield. And he will also be wanting not only to do well for himself and do well for Celtic, but do well in Europe so that his stock will remain high, John. You know, because he's still a young man in the position that he's got. And um, if he isn't going to be at Celtic, and by the way, I'm not talking about the departure of Brendan already. We've never even kicked a competitive ball yet. Um, He will definitely want to do better in, in Europe albeit you'll also be looking at the example that Anne just set in terms of leaving Celtic, having not a great European record, and then still getting a decent job down south. So, you know, there is a balance there. I'm keen to get people uh, involved in the chat. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. We're about a 1,000 strong on the chat. If you want to make a comment, all you need to do is subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Give us a thumbs up while you're in there. And if you want to come along and see the other bear, Roy Aiken, there are nine tickets available. The link, John, is under the video. Big Roy Aiken. I cannot wait. Never met him before. It's going to be great to meet him and talk to him on stage at Barra's Art and Design. Jungle Lion, accommodation, flights and ticket prices are woeful in Dublin on Saturday. We'll have a wee look ahead to the game on Saturday. I think it'll be a big test as well. Paul McLean, Celtic aren't strong enough for Rocky to be a project. Like I said before, I think he is a different type of signing than the other four... And by the way, I'm not writing them off. I think there's going to be a surprise or maybe two surprises in that that group of four. Tilio, I like to look at him, John, because he came in pretty yeah. early and he's been injured. You know, we're not, we're not talking much about him. I like the look of him. I think he can make an impact. And, um, you know, 
who knows? Who knows? But by the end of the season, we will have a look back on this particular conversation and say, wow, we weren't even considering Tilio or one of the other three as a first-teamer and look at what he's doing. You know, he's tearing well, it up, I, John. I mean, I think there's five guys there and out of five of them, straight away, I think three of them will do well. Uh, you know, so big uh, Rocky, I think Yang on the wing, uh, and uh, Tilio also looks good. Um, less of a known quantity is Quan. Um, again, it's a big step up for him. He's been playing in the, the K2, isn't it? So he's been playing in the second division in Korea. It's a big step up. At home, yeah, just unknown at the moment what he can do. Um, so we'll see. But I mean, I, I'd be confident that three out of five of them will do well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so it's uh, and that would be a pretty good return, to be honest with you, in terms of signings. Um, you know, we, we've had trouble trying to find decent central defensive midfielders. Um, and as we've spoken about before, I mean, we went through Abelgard, the Deguchi, all the rest of it. And the, the problem is, and it's, a, it's an ongoing problem for us because in order to develop these guys, they need to get game time. You know, and how are they going to get game time? When are they going to play? Mm-hmm. Because are they, are they only going to play in Europe? And therefore, because we don't need them the rest of the time. You know, why do we need central defensive midfielders the rest of the time? We just don't need them. You know, so how, how are they going to get exposure? How are they going to get the experience? How are they going to improve? Uh, and you can't expect them to come in from sitting on the bench for, you know, three, four weeks and then just to play in a European game. Uh, so it is a real problem. And... Uh, you know, I, I think we're going to have to see uh, the the captain sitting down a bit more and a bit earlier and and in, in other games if we're ever going to see these guys, you know, improve or make it on. You know, for, for in games where you know we're ahead and it looks okay, yeah, I wouldn't be like doing what and you know what Ange was doing, which is you know they definitely have to play sixty minutes. You know, uh, if we're three one up or four one up at half time. Get Callum off, let them rest, you know, get these boys on, get them some exposure. Um, so, you know, it's, it's stuff like that. It's, you know, but we're constantly juggling this because we're supposed to be a, a trading club, but you can't trade guys who don't have any more experience than they did when they walked in the door. Mm-hmm. They're not making any money on that. Uh, and if it's purely, if it's not an ability thing and it's a formation thing, then that's a, that's problematic. You know, so we, we need to decide how we're going to play that game. So, I mean, I don't know. There's, there's lots of hinges on it. Um, and uh, But, again, I'd be confident that we're doing well well enough so far. I'm really, really hoping, though, for, you know, uh, just to sit some people down, you know, across the road and basically uh, put some journalists back in their box. It would be nice to get some uh, names that you're not, you, you can't argue with. Um, although yeah, that that comes with uh, that that's just pure instant gratification, as you said earlier on. That's not that doesn't make any sense as a part of a business model. That doesn't make any sense. Put the journalists back in their box. They'll be back in their box in a couple of weeks anyway. So you know. no, they will. They will. I mean, the other example I was going to use it of that. Um, and by the way, I know that after the centenary season, going into eighty eighty nine, th- there wasn't such a thing as a transfer window. You, you did see a flurry of activity in the pre-season for obvious reasons because, you know, contracts were up at that time. But you could sign players during the season, and we did. We signed another two, John. Um, one of them was Steve McCahill, 100 grand from Dumbarton. And the other was Tommy Coyne. And by the way, I thought Coyne 
was a very shrewd guy. He was scoring a lot of goals at that time for Dundee. I, I was a big fan of Tommy, and uh, he obviously went on to play for Ireland. But almost as soon as Coyne came in, McAvaney left the building for 1.25, and you know it just got right back to that stage where it was doom and gloom. The other season I was going to use as an example is we win the European Cup um, and a few other trophies that season, John. I think we won five that year. And um, in the pre-season, we signed two players again. First was a junior player called Pat McMahon from Kilsyth Rangers. And the other was Chris Shevlin, who recently passed away. And uh, Chris Shevlin had retired from football. He had been playing as a right-back for Hearts. He had a bad knee injury and he'd retired. Jockstein got a second opinion on his injury and brought him out of retirement. So that was the two players, the European Cup winners bought in the pre-season. And uh, obviously the reaction at that time would have been a lot more muted. I mean, how did you how did you put across your feelings? Well, you only could do it at the games, couldn't you, John? Um, it wasn't until the 70s or the 80s that the fanzine movement uh, came in. And now, of course, we have got information at our fingertips and a platform to have your say. And that's what you are doing in the comments. Mick, you're in. Uh, where else needs strengthening for the Champions League? The question is, in that team, who is good enough for the Champions League? And there is not many. Well, I think... You could go through that on an individual basis and we'd all have our opinions on it. But there's a bigger way to look at it, I think. And I think that's down to having a, a team where everybody has a specific role, John. Brendan Rodgers being the man, obviously, with that strategy um, to pull it all together. So you might look at that squad and say there's a handful of Champions League quality players. But as a team, it could be a different story. Well, and it has to be as a team for us. Uh, because we can't afford uh, Champions League quality players uh, as a finished article. So it has to be the team and uh, guys who are developing and getting better. You know, if you look even at the midfield there, some of our better players, so you say um, McGregor, Hitati, O'Reilly, you know, the sort of chosen three, um, are they, I mean... You know, if they were finished article Champions League players, they wouldn't be with us. So that's the bottom line. So, you know, they're, they're, all of our guys, we have to play a system that suits uh, the guys that we have. Um, there is nowhere in the team, I think, um, you know, there's a, if you wanted to be ruthless about it, there's nowhere in the team that doesn't need strengthened mm-hmm. for the Champions League. Um but realistically, uh, we appear to have uh, half a. We, we have, I don't know what, if all, all our players just going to be down the right hand side, just going to play like a team full of right wingers. Um, but which appears to be who we've signed for the moment. We've just got a lot of right wingers for the moment. Um, but I mean, a couple of things to be in mind. Kyogo did not go off to a good start last year. Um, and, you know, I think Maeda's far more comfortable. And we've seen now what Maeda can do when he has space and he'll have far more space uh, in uh, Europe than he has domestically mm-hmm. so we will get counter attacks and it's a matter of can he finish them off Abada looked fantastic again the other you know the, these games because if you give him space he is a quality player by the way uh, what's the crack I don't know if anyone in the comments is any the wiser or whether you are but uh, Paul John we appear to have signed a whole load of guys to replace Abada, and now it doesn't look like he's leaving. <laughs> this oh. is a big thing. You know, when we were looking at the right-hand side, John, uh, with Jota, 
leaving. And by the way, I think that actually weakens the left-hand side as well as a squad. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we had kind of been pre-warned we might lose a couple, and Abada was one of the guys that seemed to have been on that radar. Um, Brendan Rodgers has had his sit-down. I hope Brendan's not embellishing the story because it was a very positive outcome. And um, Abada, I, I've said, he's, he's kind of stepped out of the shadows of Jota. So I hope that if that was the case and, and we're bringing these guys in, then it's very much for for the future because on that form, like you said there, with you know with him uh, being so direct and having that space and everything going down the right channel, I noticed as well, due to the fact that the player on the left, I don't think was suited um, to that position. I'm not talking about James, I'm talking about Axa Banovic. I thought Lila Bada was the, the danger man more often than not on the attack. Um, I think that he could be one of the guys, John, that uh, Brendan Rodgers revitalises. Um, and by the way, it's not as though he's been off form. He's had two brilliant seasons. But he seemed quite eager to make that step up. And Brendan Rodgers, my take on that is that he's going to look at the guy and say, listen, you want to play for uh, Liverpool, a team like Liverpool? I can I can make you that player. I know what it takes. I've, I've managed Liverpool. So he'll be here for another season, I hope, at least. Well, I mean, there's a... There's another uh, one of the football sites picked up yesterday. The most key passes and scoring opportunities per 90 minutes for under 23 players, not in the uh, big five leagues uh, top division. Number one, Leela Bader. Uh, and number six is Matt O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so outside of the, uh, the you know the, the, the top five leagues, uh, Leela Bader, uh, is, is uh, you know, obviously his stats are really, really impressive. And we already know his stats are impressive. And we've already seen what he can do. Um, we, we need more consistency from him because we need game winners from the start, not just coming off the bench. Yeah. But he's still relatively young. So, you know, you've told that that's developing uh, and he's getting better. And the more confidence he gets... You know, I, again, it could be just uh, there's even a wee thing, as you said, just with Jota out the door. Well, that makes a badder then, you know, incredibly important for us, one of our main men. And maybe that wee bit of confidence is all that it takes to inspire him to go on and do better. Um, it's very difficult for a player like a badder, though, with, get, with his game and the way he likes to play, to be constantly playing against, a, you know, essentially a park bus. Uh, because there's no joy in that for him. You can't enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, there's literally, when I say no joy, I mean, in terms of outcome, but also in terms of, you can't enjoy your game. You know, because that's not the way you want to play. You're, you're basically, you're trying to make inroads against like three guys closing you down uh, with, you know, five yards to the byline. So, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, you can see why he was, he was thinking about going, but I think, you know, as you say, Brendan Rodgers, it looks like he might have changed his mind. I think that's tremendous news for us because if these other boys are good, it just pushes them on, you know, and it, it means we've got, you know, a lot of spare, uh, you know, a lot of options there. Some of those boys that we've signed, by the way, can play both sides. Yeah. They were signed, you know, um, for utility as well. Because uh, I was watching, uh, you know, I know Yang, predominantly right wing, but I saw him playing the left. Um, Tilio as well, apparently can play, you know, all across the front three. So there are options there. Um, but, well, you know, again, what are your thoughts, Paul, uh, in relation to, you know, again, if a bad is staying, where do you see the, the, the left side? 
So, if, assuming Abada's on the right, who's who's on the left for you? Well, as impressed as I was by Maeda's performances through the middle, I still think that Kyogo is far and away the number one pick. And you know, Maeda's a great backup. He's got that adaptability that you spoke about before, which in Angie's team certainly, and probably in Brendan's team as well. If you can play a couple of positions, you're going to be a great asset to the team. If you're like O or, or Yakamakis, and and you can only play one position, you're going to play less games. You know, that's just going to be the way the 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 way that it works. I don't see Haksabanovic uh, as a left winger. I don't think Mikey Johnson's got a future at Celtic. So it leaves you with Maeda as, as the, the first pick followed by, at this moment in time, um, either one of the new guys who seems to um, favour the left-hand side, John, or indeed James Forrest as a backup, who can be a backup for the right or the left. Because I thought James A. Forrest in uh, the half that he had the other day there, John, he played particularly well, he, you know. And I know that all it takes is for that wee moment where he's got the burst to pace and then before you know it, he's holding the back of his leg. I get that because that's happened so often. You know, when a player... A lot of their game is, is on that wee burst of pace. But he looked fresh. He's a player, obviously, that um, Brendan Rodgers has helped develop uh, throughout his career. And I really do hope that more and more tickets sell for his testimonial um, next week as well. But, yeah, that that is an area for me that uh, we still need to strengthen. I think we still need a left winger uh, to push Maeda. I think we need a left back. Um, and I think we need a goalkeeper. And th- what I said this morning as well on the socials is, you know what, even with Maeda as, as a backup, we could be doing another striker, although it's the fourth in the priority list for me, John. I think after seeing Maeda, um, I've got a wee bit more confidence that we can run with Kyogo, Owen, Maeda. Um, so yeah, left back, left wing and goalkeeper for me. And you want to buy people who are at that level, you know, the Norovsky level, where you think, yeah, you're pushing for a first team jersey. Um, and, and probably within that wage bracket and that that uh, transfer bracket as well, John. What's your take on it? Well, I mean, my, my, the thing about Maeda is, if you remember back to even when Jota was playing there, uh, there were certain games where we had a real problem down that side. So you would have uh, Jota on the left and then Hitati, Bernabe, for instance, and Starfield's your central defender, all of whom uh, their, their retention stats are really poor. Uh, so in terms of giving the ball away, uh, we were giving the ball away an awful lot down that mm-hmm. side uh, in certain games. It was better when Taylor was in. Um, but, you know, we we have... Maeda adds solidity to that side. So it might not be a spectacular winger, uh, but, you know, people talk about running themselves into the ground as if it's just all... Oh, yeah, he's a, he's a hard worker, isn't that great? But it's so incredibly important uh, to, to cover up, potentially. Because Hatate, while he's doing brilliant, magnificent, wonderful things, also you know can lose the ball a fair bit in positions which, in which we are exposed. So especially in Europe, I would want Maeda uh, on the wing to, to provide us. Because if you're talking about being more solid and more defensive as a unit, you would want Maeda there, uh, potentially. Um, I, I, you know, we, we have got problems on the left-hand side. Uh, Taylor doesn't look great to me here. He's already been exposed in Europe because of his size, basically. So he played well in that inverted fullback role going forward. Um, but what we've seen is people will target him yeah. uh, because of his size. 
uh, and they, they just get straight over the top of them. Uh, you know, it's just there's nothing you can do about that. That's just the way it is. So if we're going to be exposed in those sort of positions, then I think we need better than Taylor. Um, Bernabe in those games, uh, not convinced for me. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I appreciate the goal. Uh, it was funny. Um, and, uh, but, you know, I, I'd, rather, I'd rather get my kicks uh, watching a comedian than, you know, having a good laugh at, you know, a guy who took a swing and a miss at a ball uh, and then chased it down. Great attitude. Great, you know, everyone said it. Great attitude. You know, that's fair enough. But let's, you know, make the pass. Making the pass is a better thing to do. So make the pass. Um, so I'm not convinced with either on, on our left, to be honest. Um, I, I think we really need... But everybody said that before. These games happened. Everybody said we need a left back. Yeah. Before these games happened, that that's mm-hmm. not that is still not changed. You know, we need a left back. I think if we had Maeda on that side, and you know your Hitati, and then a proper left back, um, I didn't mean that to be insulting. I mean uh, an improved left back, um, and then either Starfield or the new guy, uh, and the new guy looks pretty good. I mean that that gives us a lot more solidity down that side, it means it's not a weakness necessarily. So yeah, I, I mean, Maeda serves an incredibly important function here. Um, I mean, the, my, my issue going into these games now is, are we in the same position we were last year when Kyogo's not at the races? You know, he's injured, but he's just coming back from injury, and he's not at the races because that made, that pretty much was probably the difference between us finishing you know, fourth or third last year. Uh, because the amount of chances that we created and missed, um, and Kyogo just wasn't at the races, and he didn't get off to you know a great start, you know coming back from injury, all the rest of it. So yeah, we need him to be firing because I'm not convinced uh, again of the um, I'm not convinced of you know, yet of O as a starter, uh, and you'd be looking. The fact that we'd be looking at, I mean, if Kyogo was injured, would you be starting O or would you be looking at Maeda or um, Abada even to go through the middle before you actually chose O, who's supposed to be the centre forward? After his performance um, against Yoka, Yokohama, F Marinos, John, I'd probably tend to look at Maeda. But again, it might, it might come up against whatever the opposition is because we've seen two sides to O. And I'm also um, looking at the, the fact that we brought in another couple of South Koreans and, you know, I'm going to go back to the point about Abada. Uh, season two probably was, he certainly didn't play anywhere like the amount of football that he did in season one, John. But I remember he had this this brotherhood, this friendship with uh, Big Mir Beaton. He spoke about him as being his brother and he left and all this. Does that affect footballers? Probably more than we consider. So I, I'm glad that O's going to have a few... A uh, few of his buddies as well uh, within the squad. It can only help uh, to bolster him. But sitting here right now, if we were playing Rangers, for example, there's the question. If we are playing Rangers at the weekend and Kyogo didn't make it, do you play O or do you play Maeda? And I'm looking at that going, well, I'd like to have Maeda down the left because he causes him so many problems. And we need to, like you say, the defensive stability of, of Maeda on the left. So I'd maybe opt for O, but it would depend on who we were playing. Well, we, we, again, the options you just outlined there. I mean, I'm looking at a squad list here. And the only one, the only there are only three left wingers listed. 
uh, Haxabanovich, Johnson and uh, Maeda. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we know that the, some of these younger boys coming through might have some utility, but we don't, we, we, at this point, we've got no idea how good they are or how good they're going to be or how, how good are they going to be playing out of position, uh, playing out of their preferred position. So, at the moment, on the left, we've got Maeda and that's about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you would nearly, it would have to be a badder that we go through the centre for you because you've got more options in the race. Mm-hmm. Um. And Hagsabanovich has singularly, I, I'm sort of giving up the ghost with Hagsabanovich at the moment. You know, I've said it many times on here. I, I was really hoping for something special from the, the guy. He's just not producing. You know, he's a talented player, but he doesn't have any impact on the game. You know, he, he's just not producing anything. And it didn't look to, if, if anything, it was worse in those two games. Yeah. Uh, he, he just, he, he didn't look to be contributing in any way uh, productively. So, you know, it, it looks uh, tidy and it looks tricky and all the rest of it, but what's the end result? What's the outcome? Well, you know, the, there was a moment, John, when Turnbull collected the ball nearly on the halfway line and in one movement, he, he's turned and he's played a, a brilliant pass up the right wing, which Abada ran onto. And you think to yourself, if that was on the other side of the park and that same movement happened and the ball was played over the top, would Haxabanovich be running onto it? Hmm. Uh, probably not. Probably not. And then once they get to it, because Abada, you know, he got onto it and he was he was so direct in uh, that particular game. What would have Haxa would have held it up? He'd have came inside. He would have tried a shot. So at this moment in time, he's not a first pick for me. And I think he's one of the reasons why I think we need to strengthen on the left. There's a few. Andrew Galea um, reckons that Tilio will rip up the left wing. We know that he can play there. Uh, Taylor needs someone to challenge him says love it and I agree with that I totally agree I think we need um, a situation on the left that we have on the right with um, Johnson coming in and upping the tempo on the right hand side Uh, Jungle Lion wingers will switch it all around all season yeah we've got some great options in that respect and Urban Colchie Axel Ultra's making their debut on Saturday well hopefully there'll be a few um, at the game on Saturday. There's one last thing I want to talk about. A few minutes to go, John. I was really interested to hear Cameron Mc- Callum McGregor talking about Brendan Rodgers, talking about the impact that Rodgers had on, on Callum's career, obviously, during the first spell. Rodgers has now come back to the club. Callum's the captain. And, you know, that that special bond that you've got between uh, a manager and the captain. And, uh, you know, I've been looking a lot at uh, Roy Aiken's career for obvious reasons and you know the bond he had with Billy McNeil the bond Billy McNeil had with Jock Steen it's very important and I think that uh, McGregor and, and Rogers obviously have that particular that particular bond he's going to be like the capo out on the, the park um, and, he, and he knows what Brendan Rogers is all about he spoke so highly of him um, how do you think he'll improve this season because he definitely improved under Rogers last time round didn't he? Uh, he did uh, as a player, but I mean, you, you, you could equally contribute that to the fact that was just going through his natural uh, development in terms of his special bond. Do they have a special bond? Uh, he wasn't Brendan's captain. No, Do you know what I mean. So, so Brendan brought him in, and you know, when Brendan came in, Callum's a captain. Uh, I, you know, I, I wouldn't immediately assume that they have a special bond. However, um, they're going to have to develop one. <laughs> If, if they don't, um, and they're both capable of doing that, uh, the, you know, um, Callum's a smart, astute uh, guy as well as a player. 
uh, and um, he's also the guy who consistently, you know, when they do these media interviews, he's also always the guy who comes up as the guy with the best attitude. He's the top trainer. You know, he always gives 100% in training. He's basically everything a manager could want. So I don't know if they've got a special bond or not, but what I do know is if you're the manager, that's the guy you would want to be your captain if he wasn't already. Because he's the guy that leads by example. And you want guys that lead by example. Talk is cheap. You know, so you want you want guys that can go out there uh, and deliver uh, and lead the line and inspire the troops, and that's very much what Callum does. Um, so, again, uh, if, if Brendan Rodgers, uh, you know, I would suggest Brendan works very hard at forging a bond with Callum McGregor because you know, he, at the moment as it stands, he's still the leader of that team. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. by quite some distance, he's the leader of that team. Um, and he is the man that you want to go out there and spike. There's only so much a manager can do, you know. And as we've spoken about before, in fact, there have been plenty of sort of successful managers over the years who don't really inspire the troops. They come in and pick the team and away they go. Um, some of them remain aloof uh, for that reason. Some of them get heavily involved in coaching. Everyone's got a different technique, but they're not necessarily inspirational. You know, uh, I mean, how many great orators are there? you know, amongst football managers. Uh, so at the end of the day, you need a guy who, who's going to lead by example. That's what Callum does. Um, and I would hope that this year, he, uh, I'm not sure how much more he can improve. I think he's maybe towards the top end of his game, uh, especially the age he's at. Um, but as a player, but I mean, he, if, if, as long as he's consistently given us, you know, a 7-8 every week, um, and other people are playing off him. Uh, and I think what Brendan might do is try and utilise him um, more in, in, as a fulcrum um, and have other guys playing off him and doing a bit more of the running. Because uh, certainly got a lot of young legs in that team. Mm-hmm. We don't need to have uh, we don't need to have Callum covering every blade of grass. Uh, so I, I hope that he utilises them in such a way that we can get many more gears um, out of Callum uh, because I think he's a, he's a fine man, he's a fine leader and he's a fine Celt. You know, you've made a great point because I think when he signs his, his contract there, you and I and, and others in the Axon team are looking at how many games do you think he's going to play before this contract's up? And you know what? He shouldn't be playing 67 games a season you know, both with Celtic and Scotland, that should not be happening at this stage of his career. So you're right, a lot of the running, you know, um, a lot of the uh, the water carrying, as they say, has to be done elsewhere, I think. Maybe not this campaign, but, you know, as, as he progresses through that five-year deal, John, because if yeah. you want him to, to see out that contract, then, you know, this is the period that you've got to not wrap him up in cotton wool, but you've got to really be wary of the fact that 50, 60 games a season really takes its toll on any football player. It doesn't matter how fit they are and how athletic they are and how dedicated they are to training. It's going to take its toll. And we don't want um, that to taper off and fade away. If, if he's managed properly, he could play consistently throughout those five years. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would think it will probably, you know, if, if Scotland qualified for the Euros, I'd expect him to hang up his boots after that. Um, you know, because you really have to, you've got to start looking after yourself at club level mm-hmm. um, to try and extend that career and we'd need him to do that, I think. Um, so, you know, as I say, he can be utilised uh, more effectively um, and let's hope that that's what they do. 
Um, Brendan Rodgers is a good coach, so I mean, I'm sure he'll see that. Uh, I don't expect, as you say, uh, especially at his age, I mean, the number of games he's playing is just ridiculous, you know. Uh, and the number of games he's already played, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, he's already got more games in his legs than Scott Brown had at an equivalent level. Uh, and Callum's game is far more intense, covering a lot more ground. Uh, and, you know, so for me, that's a lot more miles in the legs. So uh, I think, you know, you need to you need to nurture your assets. You need to look after your assets the same as in any other business. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that's what we need to do. Uh, we need to be careful uh, not to uh, burn out a guy who we could get years and years and years of good service from still. 100%. Thank you, everybody, for getting involved. I've really enjoyed this catch-up with uh, John Hughes. Patrick McGilp, who's normally on a Wednesday, is going to be joining us on a Friday uh, instead. There is a press conference up at Celtic Park with the new three new signings as well, so I'm pretty sure everybody will be tuning in to hear what uh, they've got to say later on this afternoon or earlier on in the evening. Thank you, everybody, for your comments. I wish we could get through a few more of them, but you know what? Uh, we could talk all day, John, about Celtic. That's an hour up already. Um, if you are happy with what you're uh, watching on Axom and you want to see more, then visit the channel and subscribe to that. We've got a new show on a Monday night. I wander around paradise. There's another new show in the works that will happen very, very soon from the Axom channel as well. If you want to come along and see us live, then we will be with Roy Aiken at Barra's Art and Design on Friday night in a couple of days' time. We'll be with uh, Big Roy Aiken, who doesn't do live appearances all that often, so we're really looking forward to that. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved, and thank you to John Hughes for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. Network.